Okay. We're going to start now. Welcome, everybody. It's podcast time. In this podcast, I get together with somebody who loves games so much, they might as well marry them. For my first guest, I have my very own chosen life partner. <laughs> chosen partner. I don't know what. My girlfriend, uh, Samantha. Hi, Samantha. How are you doing? I'm doing great. How are you? I'm uh, very well, thank you. Um, um, this is my first recording of this, so Sam is actually over there in a, in another room with the door closed. Um, all right, so the concept of the podcast is um, you're going to pick five games that you love so much. You're going to do something old, something new, something borrowed, <laughs> something borrowed, <laughs> something blue, and then the final category is uh, one that we'll roll out when we get there. So why don't we start with uh, the first of your five games, Sam, something old. Something old. This one wasn't a hard one for me to come up with, and it's got to be Spyro. Spyro, okay. Um, Spyro the Dragon, the original? Specifically, no, specifically Spyro Gateway to Glimmer, which was actually the second one that came out. That right. is the first one I played, and actually I haven't, actually, I haven't played the original one. Um, but I played Gateway to Glimmer so much. It's like one of the few games I've 100% completed right. and did without the internet, which feels more oh, boggling now. So how old were you then when you played that? Um, well, I played it first at my friend's house. We didn't have a PlayStation. I had a, we had a Super Nintendo that my cousin had kindly donated us when he upgraded to a better system and that was our first game system but only I've had four games on it some of the old Mario games and then I got we got a PlayStation we got a PlayStation when the PS2 came out I remember because when the PS2 came out the PlayStation price shot down so we got a PlayStation and the first yes, game the, I got for anyone uh, for anyone listening in another country in Great Britain there was a tendency among the working classes who weren't that poor to get a generation behind um, I, we did the same in my family and when I started buying my own I kind of kept that up kept buying a generation behind I think now is the first time I'm on current console generations yeah um, I remember getting I remember we did get a PS uh, we did get a PS2 before the PS3 came out but um, but yeah I remember when we got that PlayStation and then the first game I got was that Spyro Gateway to Glimmer because I knew how much I loved playing it right yeah um, obviously many other games came after that but that is my that's got to be my that's got to be my old game. I love it. I still love it today. When they brought out the Reignited trilogy a couple of years ago, I got that, and I've got and I've got that on my uh, on my uh, download on my my PlayStation my PlayStation three. Oh okay, wow. No. no, my PlayStation four. Yeah, you've got a four. Okay. Yeah. One's out. So, what is it about that game in particular? Are there any any um, particular things about the? Um, the gameplay itself or anything that stand out to you that you think resonated with you when you were young? Well, it's about a dragon, mm. which I adore. Um, I've yes. got my, yes, know, my dragon calendar in the corner. Um, oh, uh, also... if you're listening to this rather than watching, I just gestured to uh, a calendar behind me, which is Samantha's calendar with a red dragon on it. I think it's actually a Dungeons & Dragons calendar. Yeah, it is. It is, which you got me for Christmas last year. Oh, aren't I lovely? Okay, so it has a dragon in it. That's the that's your first criteria met. Yeah. What 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 else? But also, you know, most 
media around dragons is all about like fighting the dragon, killing the dragon, mm-hmm. conquering the dragon in some way. And I never liked that as a kid. I liked. I wanted to befriend dragons. They were cool. So this was about a dragon that wasn't a bad guy. He mm-hmm. was just exploring. Well, I think in this particular game, he was trying to go on holiday, and then he got kidnapped and had to save this other world. Instead. Typical. I remember a time that happened to me constantly. <laughs> So, so that was nice. The fact that you were just playing like a dragon that was just, he just he was just a dragon. Like there wasn't anything good or bad about that. He just was a dragon, and he was uh, and he was saving this little world, um, despite the fact that he was very small. Ah, okay. Which was a big part of the game when they tried to when they tr- they tr- they had to they had to get a dragon because the bad guy who was destroying their world hated dragons. They were like, right, if we get a dragon, mm-hmm. we can sort him out. And they get Spyro, who's like this tiny dragon, and they're just like, ah, uh, we were expecting something much bigger. And he's a bit like, what? What's wrong with me? So he goes and saves the world despite his small size. Maybe I think that resonated with me as well because I'm a very small person. You are, you are very small. I think that at that time as well, obviously um, on PC, there were games that told stories for years prior to this, but console gaming and games specifically aimed in the was it late 90s ps1 yeah of course it was aimed at children the idea of um, a bright colorful game that also told a story was just coming into its own off the back of like sonic and mario where the story was kind of in the background um things like spyro and uh, banjo kazooie was a big one with the story on the n64 it's very similar to spyro in my opinion um having the story embedded was just kind of coming into its own do you think that's part of why it you liked it too because it told the story Probably. because when i've as i've developed as a gamer you know my favorite games are ones that tell a good story mm-hmm. I, I really get into storylines in games um yes you do yeah i do, I do <laughs> I'm sure we're going to hear about that, that later <laughs> i'm sure you will hear about that later um so but also i think i think also another genre of game that i love now is open world like open world exploring mm-hmm. and but of course Spyro wasn't open world open world didn't exist by then but it but it was kind of the precursor to open world stuff like because there were always like in a, in each little world you visited in that game there were like pockets of secret areas mm-hmm. that you could find and then you know there were all these different collectibles you could get and they were sometimes like hidden off around the corner like and you had to do different things to like get to these secret areas so that kind of was like the precursor i feel like to uh to those open world games and i think that's probably one of the reasons why i loved it so much because i was destined to love um open world games yeah i i think i understand exactly where you're coming from there i played spyro a little bit because my cousin had it and they had a ps1 and i had an n64 oh what am i talking about i got an n64 in 1996 when it was out yeah i wasn't behind a generation at all but I bought my own PS1. Anyway, I played it. My cousins had it. Um, and uh, I remember it being running around and it being very colourful. But I remember at the time, obviously, I was like a teenage boy and I was much more into like shooting games and that kind of thing. I loved... Um, we had we played in the... I think at college, we had a computer room that we had a game called Tribes on, which is kind of a multiplayer game that's very cognizant of early Halo. Um I love that sort of thing. So those kind of younger targeted games, I, I missed out on them essentially because, I mean, they were great. <laughs> and uh, I, I just wasn't really interested in that kind of colourful look. Um, yeah. 
but I did play the Skylanders games with my eldest son. Oh, um, yeah, I remember those. I never played them. Yeah, well, I'm saying my eldest son. Sam knows my eldest son's name, but we're not going to talk about... We're not going to put the names of my children on the podcast, but um, my eldest son, who is a very cool uh, lad now who like goes to the gym and does all the stuff, um, when he was little, he loved like, Pokemon and all that kind of stuff, and the Skylanders series, which is a spin-off of Spyro, was a big part of our lives for, for that year when it was very... Uh, very big and that's the one where you have the little platform that you put the figures on similar to amiibos um, and then you can play as the figure we've still got some of the figures and we put them on the christmas tree each year <laughs> so spyro's got a place in my heart for that reason um okay so the next thing so that's your something old yeah and in the context of your life of course um that is old because you were very young when it came out um for me that doesn't seem as old and i'm sure if there's anyone listening who's older than me that's probably going to seem fairly recent these things are all relative so the the idea of what's old or new is pretty loose like it's open to your interpretation it's more about how you feel about it so to that end we're going to go with something new new now this one i struggled with when you told me the concept because <laughs> yeah. i haven't i've not i've not I'm not really that up with new games as they come out. Usually I don't buy them because I wait until like they drop down in price or go on to Game Pass or something before I do. Just uh, for anyone listening, I'm in the room with Sam's game collection, the physical games, not the digital ones. I can actually see your PlayStation game collection here. Uh, many of which were bought within at least a month of launch but I, I understand what you mean like a lot of the time work gets in the way doesn't it and you end up coming to a game very late because you don't have the time yeah. to play the big also, ones also I didn't get I don't have a PS5 yet and mm. uh, I didn't get an Xbox Series S until about a year ago so I was a bit behind with getting the most recent games and also because it's an Xbox Series S and doesn't have a huge amount of space I usually don't buy new games as they come out so 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 for me new i kind of decided right i'm gonna to have to go with what i feel is new rather than what the general consensus feels yep. is new and i sort of narrowed it down to two okay you and narrowed now it I'm down to two to, yeah. and now i'm gonna to have to decide which one to give you um you did say I that think... you were going to wait till the very last moment didn't you yeah and i think i'm going to go with can I can I pick a series rather than an individual game? Oh, okay? I don't know. I mean, we are sounding out the rules as we go. If you can justify to me why it should be the series in the game, then I suppose that's fine. Yeah, I'm sure. I'm going to justify. I'm going to justify. Okay. Of course you can. And of course you can. And it's going to be, and you might you might have guessed this by looking at my game collection over there. But the Horizon Zero Dawn games. Oh yeah. Okay. I mean, game one and game two are essentially just that's one game. Why I was that's why I was going to justify it. It's all yeah. carrying on from the same story. Um, even well, no, though... With the new game, one th rule I didn't think of at all is we're going to be careful to avoid story spoilers. And also, um, something that bugs a lot of people I see on YouTube comments and stuff is um, we're going to avoid late game gameplay mechanic spoilers if we can as well. Um, so like okay. enemies you might unlock and all of that kind of stuff because um, some people might not have played it yet whereas with older games I'm a little bit less well that's 25 years old so you know so yeah so let's talk about the Horizon the Horizon series which feels wrong because that feels like the racing game 
um, I know, I know, Horizon I know. Zero Dawn, awesome. Horizon Forbidden West series. Yeah, I just call them the Horizon Zero Dawn. A lot of I think a lot of people call them the Zero, like the Zero Dawn series. Oh, that's the name of the first game. Throwing but it yeah, right out games. of the car. Um, and actually, I, I most I want to talk more about the first one, even though that one came out about ten years ago. But it's still newer than those Spyro games, so I feel like it counts. Ten years ago, really? I did. I mean, I'm in my forties, right? So, like for me, ten years is like blip blip. Oh, it was quite. It was quite a while. Well, I don't think it was quite ten years ago, but uh, it was quite a while ago. Um, it was probably like about 2017, 2016. So not quite ten years, but still, still quite a way away. Mm. Anyway, I'm going to pick that one anyway. Okay. Um, because that game, I love that. I adore that game. Um, because it sort of encompassed. It encompasses pretty much my favourite kind of game. It's got a really well-developed story to the point that I was going back to the game because I, I wanted to know more about what was happening. Right, what was yeah. Happen here. Like I was just I was blown away by the concept, um, and I loved the setting as well. Like um, it was it's it's set it's set in the future, but everyone is this these kind of hunter gatherer people. Yeah. Like so, they're kind of tribal hunter gatherers. But then there are these big mechanical robots all over the place, and that's just the setting. And I was like, "That's such a good setting," because immediately you're there going, "What? These are hunter-gatherer tribal yeah. people, but there's robots everywhere." So immediately, just the fact that they just used the setting to pique the interest of the audience, I thought was just really clever. Because you're looking at that, going, "What's going on here? These look like ancient people, but there's robots." One and I was just like that. That one for me was just so like, oh, brilliant. It is very visually stunning as well. The art direction is fantastic. And the work that must have gone into um, not just making those animals, but studying how animals move and the animation, just that as like a technical proof of concept is fascinating. I didn't even play it. I've just watched you play it. And I find it really engaging. Um, for anyone who's not familiar with the Horizon Zero Dawn Forbidden West series, um, it is absolutely beautiful uh, on both the ps4 and the ps5 um you know these stunning kind of uh open plains uh, landscape and there's a very much um i think certainly with the costume design there's a lot of reference to native tr native cultures in north america and south america like maya inca aztec uh, and then what, what we blanket refer to as like the native american peoples who and of, of which there are huge amounts and i'm fairly ignorant of um all of the different sort of um, tribes or nation states that exist in the horizon world have a distinct um culture of their own and it's it's quite peaceful as well it's quite in some cases it's agrarian like lots of farming in other cases it's kind of hunting related and then they have gods and spirits that they worship and then also there's this kind of mechanized element to it as well so a lot of them wear metal armor and bits of scrap that they've taken as trophies from the creatures um and i and i found it just as fascinating as you did just watching it an interesting observation that you made to me ages ago is it's the only game or one of the few games where you play the combat on the hardest difficulty yes it is it's the only game that i have played the, that i've played it through on the hardest difficulty and enjoyed it yeah. I'm not a fan of hard games. Souls-like games, I will never play. I will never. <laughs> well, I will never play. I will never enjoy. I, I will. I will watch other people play them, uh, but I will not play them myself because I don't like dying. 
it makes me angry. So, um, but I felt the so the I felt like the combat in that game it made me feel like I was skilled. Okay. Like, yeah. I'm sure it was the combat itself being like you know the way they designed it, but the fact that it made me feel like I was the skilled one I thought was really great. That was really cleverly done. Like because usually like if if a game's easy you're just kind of like yeah well they've just lowered the difficulty they've just lowered the hp bars of the enemies or like made yeah. it so they don't fire at you as much but this felt like even on the hardest difficulty that it was me and my skill yeah and that was great for me <laughs> i think as well like, like i picked this up from you talking about it really but just watching because i played it a little bit on uh, the normal difficulty and i didn't i don't think i just didn't have the time at the time when you recommended it to me i just it was uh, I was working a lot of the time but definitely I notice on screen a difference in tactics like when you play it you are rolling a lot like a Souls-like game <laughs> just rolling everywhere but also yeah. you're running around collecting items crafting arrows on the fly getting in cover waiting for it to do a, an attack pattern and then kind of leave itself open then you roll out shoot 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 target lots of weak points and then you have to run away again because if you just stand there you, you can't just stand there and soak up hits because these huge monsters will just start smashing you or pick you up and throw you or bash you out of the way or whatever. Yeah, so and one of the things with these monsters, so I've got a zoology degree and I love the morphology of animals, so like yep. how animals look, how they uh how they how they move, how they interact with their environment. And so and so this is something that and so when I've looked at the, the creatures that you fight in that game, mm -hmm. you know there's been a lot of thought and a lot of research from the developers to create like creatures that both you know obviously they've taken inspiration from the natural world um and they've used that to kind of see right well how would that animal fight how would it so there's a lot of times when the animals just ran run into you and just careen themselves into you and they then fall over on the floor and i kind of like and i liked that you know because i was like there's this well, a lot of the ways a lot of animals fight is a desperation to just get the opponent. It's not not it doesn't look pretty. It's rolling around on the floor. They look ridiculous. But there's a desperation in a lot of animals just to get this fight done and over with. And they've captured that really well in the way the animals fight you. And like you said, you can't just stand there because some of these creatures are huge. If they run into you, that's half your health gone. Mm -hmm. Yeah, and you get stunned as well. And you and you, also as a player, you get disorientated because the screen shakes and Aloy ends up halfway across the map you stand up you don't know where you are you don't know where the creature is there's a wall in front of you here and you're like yeah. okay where can I go and like duck down into the grass and hide and just get my breath back not Aloy's breath but my breath I wanted to ask yeah. you I suspected this one would come up um so for anyone listening um uh, Sam didn't tell me what these were going to be ahead of time so that we could just kind of do this uh naturally oh naturel um <laughs> But I suspected this one would come up. Um, one of the things I like is uh, that the character of Aloy, uh, who is a very, very competent 17-year-old, which is something you don't see very often. Usually you see teenagers in films and games represented like idiots, even though they're not. They're <laughs> just as capable. Sometimes I, th I would argue more capable than the rest of us because um, they haven't don't have a cascade of mistakes behind them to 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 smash their self-confidence but Aloy is um played by uh oh my god I've just forgotten her first name 
Oh, what, the voice actress? Yeah, I know her second name. It's Birch. Ashley Birch. Ashley Birch, who also does the voice, or does loads of voices in video games, but she also does the voice for Tiny Tina in Borderlands, which is another yeah. game that I played through you. <laughs> um, and although Tiny Tina, the character itself, isn't, I wouldn't say, a vision of female empowerment. It's a caricature character. Um, certainly a very prominent character in that series. And I like how... Um, if you follow Ashley Birch's career as a video game voiceover artist, you see these um, sh uh, not necessarily empowered, not always very positively represented, but you see these striking, original, interesting female and diverse female characters that are doing something different and they aren't just the sort of stereotypical um, damsel in distress or whatever. They're, they're either an active participant in the world or they are the protagonist and that kind of thing. And I think that it's quite telling that you are you're gravitating to these channels of games that have these interesting female characters in them um, and i like that about your i like that well, about your gaming habits so it's interesting that you it's yeah, interesting no, you're that you <laughs> um it's interesting that you obviously pick that up because my other reason for loving that game is the fact that you play this really strong female character um and also that uh, see because obviously like you know being a woman and a young girl into gaming you know when I was younger most of the games were aimed at men and boys and therefore had like uh, male protagonists which was fine you know like I didn't mind playing as a guy but of course when the women started coming in it was like yes I didn't know I needed this here it yeah. is I'm so happy um, and um, however a lot of the time the female characters if it was a main female character there was a reason they were female and it had to be there had to be like some kind of reason they were female like um whereas in this one and i was sort of waiting to see if that would come up there was no it, she was she was just she was happened to be the person in this situation and her gender had no bearing on that and um i loved that and the diversity among all the groups like all the tribes i think they've made a really good effort to put diversity in every tribe so like there's not just a tribe of like say white people or a tribe of people of color like the diversity in each tribe is is huge like you know there's all different all different kinds of people if you will like um and then there's different and there's there's men in power there's women in power um there is one tribe that has a history of sexism and they've sort of like been dealing with that and like making things better so like you know each tribe kind of has this background this the social kind of background where that you know and i just felt like the developers just really thought and really cared about the game and um that's why I had to put it in there because I really love it. Yeah, I mean, there, there seem to be so many reasons why you should love it and do love it, and I think that's the thing as well. Is um, you know there are a lot of a lot of divided opinions about uh, representation in games and stuff. We're not going to get into that personally. I'm a fan of it um, as a uh, what a cis het white man in uh, in my forties uh, who is also a parent. I a lot of um, a lot of default characters in games look and sound and act like me you know and have my concerns and my motivations and i like in my films and my games and my books to see the opinions of other people who aren't like me because if i'm only reading the thoughts and feelings of and the actions of people like me sometimes that's cool in like adventure books and you know that kind of thing but i don't all only want that i want to sort of see what's coming up from the point of view of other people and how they might think about that because it helps me to grow as a person um, and and learn and and be uh, better I suppose um, one thing about uh, Horizon um, is that 
in terms of representation and stuff because of the brutal life that they all lead hunting and gathering and fighting these horrible mechanized creatures there are people with like arms off and oh yeah legs off so that there's actually disability representation <laughs> representation in there in like a much more uh natural way than you often see disability representation it's just it's just people who've lost their arm and they're just carrying on with life which is what people do get through their lives to carry on you have a stroke and you end up in a wheelchair you don't just stop you carry on living and you and you participate in your own life and you see your friends and you do all that stuff and all of the people that you see in that game who are disabled in some way um, or have uh, an impairment or whatever they're all just doing their best to live their lives which is what you see in real life rather than just being these victims that have to be looked after by the able-bodied people ableism that's the word i'm looking for it, oh, yeah. it, it seems to have less ableism because sometimes with representation you end up with like you can end up with sexism or you can end up with racism or you can end up with ableism i said we wouldn't get into this <laughs> but, we have, but you because of the way it's represented so then it's like okay how are we representing things in how, the way they would and should be in the real world fascinating game great choice um, i'm not surprised you picked that one so that's you're something old and you're something new uh, so the next one we're going to go for is something borrowed. This is a very loose interpretation, borrowed. It could be like somebody insisted that you play it and you ended up liking it, or you literally physically borrowed a game, or uh, maybe it's uh, that you watched like a YouTube channel playing it and you're like, oh, that's and you think of it as their game, but now you play it, you know, that kind of thing. So what's your something borrowed? My something borrowed is heavily related to you. Ah. I've only played a few games through because of you, and it's the Halo series. Oh yeah! <laughs> <laughs> I need a weapon. So, oh Halo, yeah. <laughs> are you excited to get to talk about Halo in your first? Heck point? yeah! <laughs> so, um, Halo, obviously being a gamer for like pretty much my whole life, uh, I can hear the music in my head. I can hear. I just oh, and and then. Okay, I'm going to calm down. I'm going to let you speak. For anyone listening, if you haven't played Halo yet because you're young or you just missed it or whatever and you're not familiar with it, uh, uh, it's a series of first-person shooter games with a rich and interesting future sci-fi story um, and it tackles the idea of being a superhuman, a super soldier, love and loss, but not in the romantic kind, more like the fraternal kind. Uh, and it's also just visually stunning and has these wonderful set pieces and um, high concept science fiction ideas and now I'm going to hand back to Sam <laughs> okay your excitement tempered a bit now sorry yeah <laughs> so um, so obviously being, uh, being a gamer my whole life the and being into fantasy and sci-fi in general it had not escaped my notice that this Halo series was quite well respected and well talked about however I never enjoyed first-person shooters. Uh, I, I was never kind of a fan. I guess I was wasn't necessarily a fan of like um, uh, like violent games. Like not for any particular reason. They just didn't. They just weren't my sort of thing. And so like things like guns, I was just like, nah. nah yeah, sure. Like, yeah. Not interested. So like. So there was um, a barrier for you there because you you yeah. you had preconceptions from 
whatever, whatever it other was, kinds of games. That, yeah. I wanted to engross myself in fantasy and sci-fi. I know that Halo is obviously about as sci-fi as you can get, but I always equated guns with like military games, so therefore I kind of wasn't interested. Um, and it's not so much that I had anything against Halo. I can remember like loads of my friends, most of my friends when I was growing up who were into games were boys and of course most of them loved Halo and I never had anything against it I just never kind of got round to playing it yeah and then of course you loved it so much that we decided we'd sit down and play the whole thing through together and yeah. uh, we haven't finished Infinite is Infinite the most recent one? Oh, so yeah the reason we haven't done Infinite is because we didn't realise they'd released the co-op yet oh but we have done like the first couple of missions I, I, don't, I don't remember I know that we did we did one, two, three, and 4 um, and yeah. and then we did five and actually uh, we better just talk this out from my point of view so um, we played one and I warned Sam I was like look one is a bit dated now it's a great game for those of us who grew up with it but it's a bit hard you can get lost quite easily it's a bit basic but we did play the remaster which was an Xbox 360 remaster so graphically it was a bit a bit easier to navigate but we got through one and um, it, it was like oh this is okay Obviously, for me, Halo 2 and Halo 3 are the ones that, that really mattered, you know. So we played Halo 2, uh, the remaster that was done for Xbox One, and we played it on a Series S, I think. Uh, and did we split-screen that, or did we do two Xboxes for Halo 2? We might two? have done two Xboxes, two TVs. Yeah. And then we did three, and then we did four. Now, I'm one of the few people who doesn't hate 343 Industries. I loved Halo 4 when it came out. It's actually one of the first games... In 2012, I asked my mum, and I was in my 30s, I asked my mum to buy me new, because it happened to come out around my birthday, so I got it new for 40 quid, like, and I was like, oh, and I remember setting it up in my 360 and installing it in that first scene where you, you get out onto the planet and you see the new enemies for the first time. I was just absolutely bowled away, and I loved the story. And a lot of people didn't like the story, but I did. Um, so we played through those, and then... I warned Sam, I was like, look, Halo 5... Oh no, did we play ODST and Reach first before we played Halo 5? Was 5 the one where you play as the other squad? You get Nathan Fillion and... Yeah. Yes, yeah, no, we played ODST and Reach before we played. So I think yeah. we played them in order of release, actually. We played them in release order, because I, I wanted so, to, because I, I, I always want to play things in release order. Okay, so we played uh, 1, 2 and 3, then we played ODST, which... I actually didn't like that much, but I fell in love with it playing it with you, because I knew just enough about it to be able to remember the story, but not quite enough. And then some of the weird stuff where you can get stuck. Um, if you're playing that game and you get stuck, I have this advice, look up. Uh, and then we played Reach, which was actually a really good co-op experience. It was great. That was a great game um, and a lovely story, Bit a bit sad, but lovely. Then we played Four. Then when we played five, I said to you, look, five is like absolutely rubbish. It's terrible. You can't see anything. Blah, blah, blah. But I'd played it solo and playing it co-op. It was so much fun. Um, it makes me think, it makes me feel like that's how they intended the games to be played. Yeah. Well, I certainly five. I experienced it co-op and a lot of the fun was us coming at it with like plans or sort of like riding through. Um, I usually did the driving and you usually did the shooting. That was always quite fun, but Sam was... Sam came from uh, a, a beginner warthog driver going ah oh my god why is it going over here ah oh no I've rolled it to to literally like power sliding round 
a uh, a gun emplacement while I <laughs> take the whole thing out and then she go around, go away, come in for another pass and just have these perfect loop systems going. It was uh, it was mint. <laughs> what was fun? What was interesting for me though is obviously like throughout my entire what it came out when I was like um, quite young. Um, I don't know. Well, it's two thousand and. Um, people, if you're listening to this comments or, or messages or whatever, um, I'm not researching. I'm not looking it up. Believe it was 2001. Yeah. So I was about maybe 10 when it came out. So yeah. pretty much most of my gaming, um, most of my gaming life, people have been talking about Halo. So there were things I'd, I so I kind of I was aware of I knew who Master Chief was I knew who Cortana was I knew she was like an AI I knew that he was like a super soldier I knew that they were fighting these like kind of this alien race um, well alien you know, civilization essentially yeah that's it? what yeah. I know but that's what I thought at the time. oh sorry yeah yeah, yeah yeah I, yeah. I wasn't um, correcting you so, I meant I was like trying to sound it <laughs> yeah so all we um it's oh, men like me that put play. women like you off of Halo by correcting you constantly, going, well, actually, the Covenant are a society, blah, 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 blah. It's okay, you're just very excited. You can't, you can't help it sometimes. People care about their games, you know. Anyway, I will shut up, carry <laughs> on. So, playing the first one through especially, one of the things that struck me, one, was that the, how short the story was. And I was like, oh, wow. That was like quite, it was almost like, it was almost like a movie like you know like it was quite yeah. you know you arrive on this planet it's kind of empty well not planet you arrive on that ring it's kind of empty stuff happens whoa you're the only and then off, off you go like and the big thing was i didn't know the entire way through that the that the, i'd knew i knew what the flood were i didn't know that the flood and this alien people you were fighting were a separate thing i had no idea about that yeah. and i also had no idea that the flood were essentially like are you okay with me spoiling the first game oh so uh we'll 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 do it succinctly i think if you've got to this point and you don't know what halo is all about <laughs> essentially um well, i think when they were designing it they wanted to have lots of different types of monsters right so that tactically you get used to fighting a certain set and then when you move into another section of a level or another level or whatever suddenly everything you learned in the previous level goes and you need something else you need new weapons you need new strategies that was why so the way that they did that is they had small enemies they had huge meat shield enemies and then they had like floods of kind of zombies and stuff coming at you i wouldn't say that's a spoiler for a 22 year old game that's it was fine. more to do with are you okay with me like spoiling about like what the flood are? oh <laughs> let's stay out of the specifics yeah like it's just um some monsters that come running at you yeah well, I was just, I was just didn't, I just didn't know that the flood were basically zombies. Right. Yeah. Sure. I had no idea. This blew my mind. It blew my mind that I hadn't known this the entire time, and that is the entire thing of the Halo game. And when we learned that, when first of all I learned that the flood and the Covenant were different, I was like, oh, wow, I didn't know that. And then, of course, learning that the flood were basically like space zombies, I was just like, oh my god! I was like, I couldn't believe that, like. I hadn't picked up on that the entire like 20 years at this point that the game had been out and yeah. uh, that really that really um that really blew my blew my mind there are some great documentaries actually from the original developers because of course they're not that old these people are like my age or maybe in their like early 50s now and so they're still around they're still talking about the design process for these games and um i watched i watched a few documentaries and stuff and um 
they a lot of the storytelling was born much like with uh, Horizon Zero Dawn the storytelling was born out of these technical concepts that they wanted to put out there and up until Halo um, all first person shooters mostly apart from a couple took place in dark corridors with lots of corners with the odd big room to fight a boss in or the odd big obstacle to get around and that was mostly due to kind of loading time restrictions and, and that sort of thing with Halo they start like that you start on the ship and then when you land on the Halo ring it, all of a sudden it opens up into this huge landscape unexpectedly and they wanted a reason to do that right so they needed to create a planet or an installation or a space station or whatever it is a reason for you to get out in this big open world and they were like why not make it this big lush green environment and the fact that they keep going back to surprising you is part of what made that game so rich and interesting for new players because when I played Halo 1 for the first time I actually played 2 first I was just a dumb kid who was busy with like my life I didn't really take on board that there was complex storytelling going on I also didn't know that the Flood were like a separate thing from the Covenant or I was just like they're just all baddies and then the subtlety of the storytelling in that game just took me with it and it raised my expectations for storytelling in games and I'm sure everyone's got a game that did that for them it, it may, might not be Halo for you it might be something else but you you have these moments in games you're like okay yeah it can be this good now everything else has to be this good or I have to lower my own expectations of it um, yeah great choice oh another observation I wanted to bring in in the same way that I cut you off earlier and just got really excited and talked over the top of you it's been my experience with um i think there's definitely a gender thing here with a lot of uh female gamers with boyfriends or whatever who are excited about a series it can be quite oppressive when someone knows a game series or a tv series or a film series or a book series really really well and they really want to share it and they just push the whole thing on you um i do you mind if i tell you they barricaded themselves in Oh yeah. Joke. So, <laughs> Go on. so Sam had a boyfriend when she was young. Um, uh, I can't remember his name, but you did tell me. Who loved the Halo series so much and wanted to share it with her, and that's a wonderful thing, right? But when you're young, you don't really know how to moderate your, or apparently when you're in your forties, you don't know how to moderate your enthusiasm. So he kind of like had all the richness of the lore and all the little minute, tiny observations and all of the little observations that various YouTubers had done over the years, sat Sam down in front of it and expected her to have the same experience that he had. And there was this whole bit about an observation that people had barricaded themselves inside a room instead of outside to stop the flood from coming in. And he got really angry yeah. with her when she didn't notice. I didn't get the significance. The whole point, the whole idea was I remember that like, the Covenant are these big, scary monsters, you know, and they had barricaded what, what, what? themselves in against something else. And I didn't get the significance of this, and he got really angry with me because I didn't understand. And I remember him going to me, they barricaded themselves in! And I was just like, okay. <laughs> like, you know, and it's, what, it's like, what, yeah, um, that's, that's true what you're saying about, like, you know, I think some people, yeah, like, um, there's a lot of jokes that fly around about kind of you know there's a lot of memes out there kind of like of 
the person trying to get on with their life and the friend being like you have to come before have you watched that show yet have you watched it yeah have you watched that show yeah have you watched it yeah have you watched it yet come on let's watch it come on let's watch it okay look look season one and two are crap but we're gonna get through them okay and you're just there like oh my god like <laughs> and you're like you've watched so, like, the first episode and you're like oh my yeah, god i, I can't this is, this is absolute <laughs> trash we've had that with a few netflix series and stuff over the years um where you've loved them you loved it in the end oh that's true i didn't didn't mind wednesday yeah and i think that's i think with the games that were that big and meant so much to so many people um it can be really hard to uh, use the expression again moderate your enthusiasm to allow someone to develop a love for something that you love um you were very good while we played the game you didn't you didn't put you just kind of let us you could let us play it and there was a few times you were like oh 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 and then you just went Okay, hang on. No. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Um, it was it, because I think had I been younger uh, and less less kind of experienced at the diversity of the storytelling in games and stuff, I think I if it was my first experience of a good story in a game, I might not have been able to hold back. I might have been like, oh, you've got to know this, and spoiled the whole thing before you played it. But because I hung back and allowed you to kind of just notice what you noticed and not get angry at you for not noticing what you didn't notice you get to have your own experience and you with a good story a good long-form story you have realizations over the course of your entire life after you've read it or played it or watched it um you go back to it and you go oh yeah of course because storytelling is the way that we pass and interpret and hold on to wisdom and, and knowledge in a lot of ways so they need time to simmer in the brain. You can't just force someone to have all the same revelations as you immediately. Um, but Halo is definitely one of those series that contains a lot and contradicts itself a lot and rewrites the rule book quite a few times. The character of Master Chief goes from being a big dumb idiot to a really complex, thoughtful character back to being a big dumb idiot when he needs to. And um, you, you're kind of invested so you you kind of tolerate the changes um or maybe you hate halo and you don't and that's absolutely fine too because it's an individual experience isn't it okay so thank you so much for including a game that i loved okay. <laughs> and definitely i think a game series is definitely an appropriate interpretation of the of the weird rules okay so for the fourth thing then we're going to do something blue Something that has a tenuous connection to the concept of blueness, be it the colour or the mood or uh, anything at all. So you tell me what your something blue is. This one was another one that I thought about. I've actually gone with blue the feeling. Oh, like um, sadness? Like maudlin? Yeah. Okay. Like melancholy. Um, and... Now this game made me feel this way, made me feel lots of ways, um, and I wouldn't necessarily say the feeling of blue is a bad thing, but the fact that it caused me to feel all these things was uh, was to me great. Something I love in stories. You know this game well as well. Um, it's Spiritfarer. Oh yeah. Oh, I love Spiritfarer. Yeah. Which actually, it's it's I I love that game. I could play it through again, um, and again and again and again. Um, you found it first and you told me about it and I can remember you messaged me saying I just gave a hedgehog a hug I just had a, I just had a mission to give a hedgehog a hug oh like, yeah okay, I've got to download this game and that, that hedgehog game... was easily my favourite um, what is it friend like 
Yeah, person. Yeah. We'll be very so, careful not to spoil Spiritfarer for anyone who. Yeah, yeah. Spiritfarer is a really, I think, is a good example of a very beautiful game. Like the, it was clearly designed with aesthetics in mind. Um, the obviously the artwork. It's like it's like a it's like a two D. It's sort of a two D platform. It's a two D platformer, really. Mm-hmm. Um, with an incorporation of kind of like building. Like you kind of build. You 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 literally build houses on a boat where mm-hmm. like where like your community can live and you look after them you know um they eat there and sleep there and and you know um you do everything on this boat and you look after your little community that you and know. unlike a lot of npc buddies in communities they aren't completely useless they are doing their own doing thing things and, for you, yeah. yeah doing things for you and things for each other and and talking and yeah. thinking and there's a world going on outside of you the main character talking to people they, they have their own relationships in some ways and yeah yeah so this was a get this was the game i was choosing between with saying for uh something new as well yeah it's just um, fairly new isn't it it's like three or four yeah. years old i think yeah so um but i had to go with horizon zero dawn in the end for my new game for some yeah. weird reason i consider it new even though it's even though it's actually quite old mm-hmm. um but yeah so with with spirit fair i just but the the journey you go on with each character and like you know each character like develops and reflects on their life um that they've had before they joined you on this boat and you learn they they kind of and they kind of come to you with this is me this is who i am you know this is my story and then as you talk to them they slowly like come to terms with things that's happened in their lives and they talk to you and they help you know and and it was just very emotional because all the characters have all these different kind of there'll be a character there that you relate to and you'll just go oh my god oh absolutely because so many of them like real people are so flawed Mm -hmm. um there is a particular character i'm thinking of um that i didn't necessarily relate to but certainly as a as a man with male friends and like lad culture and all of that stuff I've certainly seen those behaviors and I just it makes you wince and you're like oh god and then you really want him to have this this redemption and just become this new person and 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 in some ways they do and in some ways they don't and and you're like oh yeah people don't just get healed instantly and f- for me that's what spirit fairer is about is about the understanding that there are many, many forms of tragedy and many, many forms of loss. And you don't just miraculously one day feel instantly better. It's a constantly developing, interweaving and sometimes regressing process of never-ending realisation that the losses that you experience and other people experience around you are part and parcel of the victories and the and the and the wins and the positive things that come your way uh yeah that's that was that was the effect it had on me it was to help me realize that about my own life and look around at the people close to me and close to us you know as as a couple and And i would say as as human beings you know um we we relate to you know we use stories and things to enable us to understand concepts and and relate to things and have our own realizations and i feel like when games do that i just feel a i feel a big sense of like validation Mm -hmm. because 
you know, I mean, these days it's not so bad, but back when I was younger, probably when you were younger, there was quite a lot of, uh, there was quite a lot of the idea of games being dismissed. Oh, absolutely, um, you know, yeah. And obviously then just being, not, they're not valid forms of media, not valid forms of art, they're just silly things to pass the time with. And I never liked this when I was younger. I actually, even in my zoology degree, I wrote my final paper on video games. I wrote it about, because actually I thought to myself, what can I talk about for 10,000 words and still be interested in at the end? <laughs> and I was like, the only answer I can't was video games. So I wrote my paper on um, the place video games have in science communication. In yep. a, you know, like putting things, putting actual real science facts into games to kind of help educate the public. And actually the main game that I drew in, I drew a lot of uh, stuff drew a lot of inspiration from were the Assassin's Creed games because there's so much in the Assassin's Creed, Creed games that are accurate history and it I hate I found history boring before that and then when I played yeah. Assassin's Creed 3 in particular I was like oh when I found out that all the assassinations you do are real assassinations that happened in in that history I just kind of just made me go oh my god history was actually really dramatic and really interesting like why I didn't think that beforehand I don't know but well because games, you presented yeah. it at school in a way the yeah. method you're presented is boring the content's not boring but the, the sitting in a classroom writing listening to someone drone on is yeah. like it's not exciting that, that game though presented it to me in such an interesting way that I was involved in I was fascinated and yeah. I've been interested in history ever since and so I was very much like, well, games can surely do this for science. And so when games now, like going, bringing this all back to Spiritfarer, when games like, you know, cause you to have these big emotional reactions and kind of like almost reflect on your own life and look at what these characters have been through, I'm like, to me, I'm like, this really solidifies games for me as an important part of our society. It's an important part of our culture. They are, they are, you know, they, they're, they're you know they're just they're just this they're, they're a new way of experiencing things like the way you experience a story in a game is not the same as reading and it's not the same as watching something on tv because you're interacting all of those things have value and games have their own special value because you are interacting with the characters you know you get to choose what can happen in the character's life mm -hmm. you know like um in spirit Fair, there are times when you find things out and you make the decision as to whether you tell a character or not you know you you decide what to do and then of course that charts that character's journey through their own self-discovery you take part in that and that is something that games can do storytelling wise that no other form of media can and to me that's very validating to kind of have games as this really important part of media in our society now and that's kind of what i think of spirit fairer i completely agree and in a in a in a more ephemeral sense just talking about spirituality and philosophy and psychology the human ability to transpose your consciousness into something or someone else is a big part of why we have survived as a species our ability to adapt does doesn't come from brutality or or logistical planning those things are really important you know but it comes from our ability to imagine we are something or someone else and for good reasons or evil work out the best way to then handle that thing when i'm driving a car my consciousness i was an amazon driver for like a year and then i had a van business um, you know that the listeners might not my ability to uh, be aware of where the physical limitations of my vehicle actually are 
became I'm not afraid to say I became an expert driver like I could get that van into the tiniest of spots without even thinking I couldn't see behind me and you're just like whoa, whoa. and that came you from validated your driving yeah from practice and muscle memory and and also a few mistakes as well but eventually I just had a sense of where the vehicle was in space and there's a name for that um like not vestigial what's it called vestibular sense where you knowing where you are in space Oh, yeah, is, 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 the, is vestibular something? Right? So the vestibular, yeah. uh, if you're listening to this and you know the answers to that, well, the, the sense of where you are in space uh, is, is a, has a name. I think it's vestibular senses or something like that. Um, and yeah, that transposed out to the vehicle. With gaming, you are given the ability to sublimate your consciousness temporarily into someone else. And it might be somebody that you feel very close to, or it might be somebody that you don't. With Stella in Spiritfarer, uh, like as as a a, a dad and a, and a man that the character of Atoll the frog was actually the one I oh, resonated I with the most but controlling Stella and understanding Stella's relationship with the world that she's in and all of the stuff she has to go and do in addition to the gameplay loop of mining crafting selling buying all of that fun stuff there's also this sense of her exploring and uncovering and then taking ownership of this little world she's in um, and and getting to know the little moody, uh, the times of day that you can go and speak to the people on the boat. Um, some of them don't like to be woken up. Um, there's like a younger character in the game who uh, whose bedroom is always a mess <laughs> and, and that kind of thing. Um, all of those things and how you learn through Stella to be more patient with the characters on the ship. For me, I was going through a time in my personal life where I was very impatient my, I, I had a bad job I was very very stressed and snowed under by work um, I was physically injured I was just very irritable very worried about money and playing that game alleviated so much pressure off my um, soul uh, that enabled me to just be a bit more forgiving of the people around me and recognise that like in the game the people around me are going through their own stuff as well and I need to not be one of their problems and actually, that's a big part of what Spirit Pharaoh was all about for me. Was about was a person learning to not be a problem, but be an asset to the people around them, uh, and still retain their identity and still have needs. You know, Stella has a lot of needs in that game. Um, also, side note: what a beautiful soundtrack! Oh yeah, everything about the game is beautiful. Like I said, there's, there's a lot of it about aesthetics and relaxing and emotions and mm -hmm. and you know, like uh, yeah, it's very. Um very chill but you will feel you will feel greatly if you play it <laughs> yeah it definitely uh is it's one if you are going through a process of therapy and you're concerned about healing and you're, and you're very much focused on that rather than in a, a time where you're just busy 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 and you're kind of fine in your head it, it it's a very powerful thing whether it's good or bad from a therapy point of view i, I couldn't say but it certainly will get inside you and 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 resonate if you have the patience for that slower kind of collect them up kind of game some people just want to shoot stuff and that's fine um but yeah i think that's an absolutely fantastic choice and i definitely recommend it the reason i discovered it is that it came out on game pass and i just i was like oh what's this oh. and it was actually there for a while and i occasionally on a sunday night after i talked to my youngest son um in uh, over in america i would just stay on the xbox and just have a look through x uh, x pass <laughs> through game pass and um and pick three or four games, download them, and just kind of play them through. And if one of them stuck, I'd, I'd play it. Um, 
cool. What a great choice. Thanks so much. So now we're on to the final uh, segment of the podcast, which is... Uh, I can't remember if I came up with this name or if you did, or it was a combination of the two of us, but the name of the section is... Why don't you just marry it then? Uh, <laughs> so what's your fifth and final game for Why don't you just marry it then? So my game for, like, yeah, if... Uh is the most likely for you to shout that at me basically yeah or or, or for uh, the respective uh, potential guest or listener perhaps your husband or wife or significant other or your jealous pet who wants your time and attention and be frustrated like oh you're playing that again are you i'm so- sick of hearing you talk about that game <laughs> yeah pokemon of course of course it's yes. pokemon all I... the pokemons right the whole all of them, all of them. Yeah. I am obsessed with Pokemon. I've got Pokemon things all over, all around me right now. You can probably see Pokemon things where you're sitting. You can probably see plenty of them. I can see a Vaporeon painting, a Vaporeon teddy, uh, about three Charizards, is it? Various dragon-themed Pokemon. Charizard uh, and Charizard's X and Y form, actually. Yeah, and then obviously you've got the Nintendo Switch down there with... Uh, is it Sword yeah. and Shield? No, you've got Scarlet and Violet, and you've got Legends of... Is it Arceus or Arceus? Well, I've always said Arceus. Arceus, okay. Um, And yeah, there's probably various other things I can't quite see uh, going around. Yeah, oh no, there's a Charmander there. If you're watching on video, I'm holding the Charmander up to the camera. (laughs) Is that Charmander? Yeah. Yeah. Yes, that's Charmander. And then there's this one. What's this one? Charmeleon. That's Charmeleon. I know exactly which one. There he is, holding him up to the camera. And him or her? Are Are they both genders? They can be either. Okay, and like, then there's this yeah. origami that uh, my son got you for Christmas last year. Yeah. Uh, okay. Anyway, so talk to me about Pokemon. Why do you Why do you love the po- the Pocket Monsters so much? I've been playing Pokemon since it came out, since Red and Blue came out. Uh, I played those through. I played Yellow, uh, but it was Gold and Silver that I loved the most. And I think it's probably because you go, you know, you you do the whole region and then you go to the other region Kanto um, again as well so it's like double the size of the game um, I've heard that's because they intended to stop it at, at gold and silver and it not go any further um, proof that so money that really does make the world go round eh <laughs> yeah, that's clearly not what happened is it because no. you know now we're on I can't remember what the number generation is now but we're, over, we're on to over a thousand Pokemon now was the most recent one. I, I don't, no, I'm not I can't sure. name every single one, though I could probably name most of them. I'm not sure what my source is on this. It, it might be Adam Blank on Remember the Game, so it might not be 100% accurate, but I think Pokemon is the best-selling toy ever. It's just in history, because if you... It, like Just all of the um, merchandise and the toys and the teddies and all of that, I, I've heard it's the best-selling toy in human right. history. I love... I love games where you go out and explore the world, so there's a big tick. And as I said, I've got a zoology degree. I love creatures. I love fantasy creatures. So a game where it was all about finding fantasy creatures and then having them as your friends was just there you go. <laughs> I was, what more can I say? Like that was like that was it. Um, and I absolutely adore Pokemon. I always will. I have a Pokemon tattoo. It was the first tattoo I got. And I still love it. Uh, I got Lugia, which is the legendary. Uh, oh, that's right, yeah. Silver. There is one of those in your was, eye shot. I was Lugia. cycling through your tattoos in my head, going, uh, uh, yeah, yeah. What, what is it? That yeah. One, it's the one Lugia one. So, um, and 
it's funny because when you said oh the whole why don't you just marry it then concept in my head i was like well i literally started a twitch streaming channel to talk about pokemon because i felt like i was boring you to death talking about it i was that the reason and i needed an outlet (laughs) to talk about it that wasn't gonna drive you insane so yes that's why I started. That's why I started my Twitch channel was just to play and talk about Pokemon. So your Twitch channel is a res- is a result of um, preserving our relationship. Yeah. <laughs> not that you ever. Not that you ever got sick of me talking about Pokemon, but I, I suspected it might be there, and I, I was like, I better play this safe and uh, find a new outlet, because because I'll go into talking about like the Pokemon's design and being like. I love this design because look the way it's because you can really see how this Pokemon has evolved to be the way it is you know and I'll just talk about you know like I said the morphology just like kind of like with Horizon Zero Dawn I'll, I'll look at all that um, and the nice thing about um, what I loved especially because Pokemon's been going so long it's been great to see how they've evolved it and changed it you know like with Scarlet and Violet they finally brought out the first proper open world obviously uh, Sword and Shield had a bit of open world and um, Ar- Legends of Arceus oh my god that's such a good game I love it it's the best one they've done I thought it was amazing actually one of the things I talk about on my Twitch stream um, is how much there's bits in Legends of Arceus that is just like real animal research Right. the fact that you have to go and catch the same Pokemon over and over and over and over and over and over and over again like to actually complete like your studies of it is like yep that's it and also the way in legends of arceus like they do it is like so in in the poke in like in each pokemon game you know you've always got there's always like a kind of bird at the beginning like pidgey or starly something that's like just a beginner pokemon for you to catch yeah and once you've caught it in the normal games you've caught it and that's kind of it you don't do anything more with it but in legends of arceus they you know they actually had it so that if you wanted to complete your Pokedex on Starly, you had to catch it loads of times. You had to sneak up on it. They made it hard to catch, even though it was just this simple Pokemon. And I just thought that was like brilliant. It was a brilliant kind of relook at the at the world. The fact that the Pokemon attacked you on sight, or like a lot of them did, I thought was really good. Like because it showed yeah. that actually Pokemon can be these quite dangerous creatures. Yeah. You know, um, and it kind of really kind of looked at them more as part of the ecosystem animals that were part of the ecosystem so Legends of Arceus in particular I adore but I love all the new ones I play them pretty much I pretty much get them I'm, if I've got the console to play it on I get them the day it comes out yeah you do yeah I, I think um, one thing about Legends of Arceus having watched you oh, I've watched your stream actually um, uh, to support you and because uh, it's interesting um, the <laughs> there's always going to be as a as a game series matures and its audience grow up, there's always going to be uh, analysis into things like the world building and the ethics of the world they're inhabiting. And a lot of series don't stand up to that kind of analysis. Like Harry Potter doesn't. Like as soon as you, know, you do time travel and stuff, it messes it up. But the Pokemon community are like just just like yeah we're not making it's not dog fighting it's not cock fighting it's something else what Arceus does is really for me bridges that tenuous storytelling gap it doesn't matter it's it's a game right it doesn't matter that it doesn't quite work that's part of the joy of games is you get to experience these things that wouldn't work in real life if it was realistic it would be boring but Legends of Arceus goes quite a way to establishing 
canon um, behaviours in Pokemon. They're not animals and they live in this world where the fact that they attack each other on sight means that attacking each other on sight is part of their nature. Now, perhaps the first people to capture Pokemon were actually pacifying them and allowing them to fight because they don't die, they just faint, right? Allowing them to faint and then grow stronger. Perhaps that was the only way they grew, right? They needed to fight in the same way that humans need to work out and study. Pokemon need to fight in order to develop and grow. That's their nature. So it's a tenuous uh, ethical justification for capturing animals and making them fight, but it does still it shows that you know the company uh, Game Freak uh, and Nintendo and the community and the community of developers and the development team and the players all care enough about this to make space for a game that changes the structure and goes some way to explaining and justifying um, the the, uh, the barbarism uh, in order to allow you to continue playing and feel good about it. And yeah. I think that when a game series or a book series or a TV series gets that mature it either eats itself alive like harry potter does has done more or less like the community and the author really are not getting on particularly well um or it grows and it shifts and it changes and for all the criticism that pokemon the new pokemons get for not being that technically uh with it especially scarlet and violet with a lot of the the memes that have come out of the glitches and all of that <laughs> that's right um <laughs> The, the fact that they are open to trying new things and they're open to changing up the structure um, means that the series is going to have longevity because it, it can't be allowed to go stale. People won't tolerate just the same thing over and over again. They think they will, but eventually they'll get bored if it doesn't change. And each game changes stuff just a little bit, just a tiny little way. And I think that's what keeps players like you interested because you're excited to see what's coming next. Mm-hmm. Very much so. I always used to tell people who said, but it's about animals fighting each other. Because they're not fighting to the death. It's like a wrestling match. That's what I used to say to you. I said, it's like a wrestling match. I said, uh, like a wrestling not... match where they shoot bolts of lightning at each other to the point where they... Fantasy. These are fantasy creatures, <laughs> so it doesn't matter. <laughs> <laughs> That's what I used to say. Anyway, um, but in reality, I'm just like, in reality, I'm like, well, it's just a game. Well, exactly, isn't it? And that, and that's the that's the thing is like with a lot of. Um, I was uh, listening to an audio book today, uh, um, and it is Lightbringer by Pierce Brown that um, that I'm near the end of. And there was a typo, and there was a typo in it. It was a glaring typo, and not only was it a typo, but the uh, the reader, what's his name, Tim Gerard yeah, Reynolds, nice. Tim Gerard Reynolds, absolutely fantastic audio book reader. He read straight through the typo. It was the word heat instead of heart, which completely changed the name. There's this like special uh, gauntlet that's being used for stuff. Um, and it's called the heart stealer, I think it is. Uh, I think the heart, heart grabber, I don't know what it's called. It's like, it's this really uh, dramatic name, but it was mis it was typoed as heat instead of heart. And he read it as heat, heat stealer. And I was just like, Whoop! and it <laughs> stayed in there. But you do have to kind of, relax you know and like okay it was a typo they missed it you know it's a constructed story made by people who make mistakes and uh it's the same with games you know all these teams are putting so much work in to try and get these games shipped to try and please an audience to try and make enough money to keep going make the profit make the shareholders da -da -da, all that stuff all this this kind of 
difficult capitalist structure that exists behind games and we're so lucky that even with all of that going on we are being given these beautiful enriching engaging and interesting experiences um that are, that manage to be works of art even in in and around that structure i'm not surprised you picked pokemon at all no that was the only one that could go for the why don't you just marry it then so <laughs> sil silver and gold was your first one that you loved yeah, I mean, I liked yeah. I liked red and blue and yeah. yellow, um, but I I could only play that one at like a friend's house, I think. Okay, yeah. And then Pokemon um, Red. I spent the money for my bus pass. I'd like a, you buy a termly bus pass. It was like sixty quid or whatever. When I was seventeen, when Pokemon Red came out, I spent the money that I had in my pocket for my bus pass for the term on Pokemon. And then I was like, I said to my mum, I was like, oh, I don't know where my, that bus pass has gone. Uh, obviously, my mother knew I'd just spent the money on something else. She's not an idiot. But I was just like, oh, yeah, and I had this new game. And I don't know how the hell I got away with that, actually. But yeah, Pokemon yeah. Red was my first one. And then my friend Anthony had Pokemon Blue, and we used to trade trade them. Yeah, so I think it's so, um, once again, my cousin just gave, gave me his Game Boy Color. Um, yeah. Uh, so... Um, and and Pokemon Gold, um, so like although I'd played the other ones, I hadn't been able to sit down and play it religiously, you know, in the way all kids want to. Mm -hmm. So like, that's why Gold. Uh, I preferred Silver because I loved Lugia, but Gold was what I happened to have. So, um, yeah. and I can remember my mum bought me Pokemon Crystal for birthday or Christmas, one or the other. Yeah. And I found where she'd hidden it, and I would sneak. She had a really big wardrobe, and I would sneak into the oh. wardrobe. And I took it out of the box and started playing it early. Oh my gosh! And, you wild uh, child. Yeah, and um, and so when I got it for Christmas or whatever it was, I opened it and was like, "Yay, cool!" And then didn't pay a huge amount of attention to it. Mom and my mom was just like, "You've been watching <laughs> that game for ages. What what's going on?" And she figured it out from that. Oh so no! My inability as a child to accurately predict and the correct way was my downfall and I obviously got in trouble um, but I mean but to be fair I think my sneakiness proved how happy I was and how much I wanted that game so we well go. yeah and you wouldn't be the first kid in history to sneakily get a glimpse of their yes, excuse me of their Christmas well. present although yeah, actually going in and playing it like that is oh, uh, yeah. another level of I deviance I was, I was desperate for that game <laughs> um, yeah Crystal was great also Crystal was the first one we got to play as a girl Oh, is it? Okay, I didn't know that. Which a actually. lot of people, which a lot of a lot of um, a lot of male gamers probably didn't think much of, but for me, that was huge. Yeah. I finally felt recognised, and you know what? Pokemon was probably one of the earliest games to do that. Like, um, there wasn't many games back then that did have that option. I mean, I mean, there weren't a huge amount of games where you could choose your kind of character that your you played as. So, stuff, like yeah. for them, creating a female sprite wasn't it wasn't a huge thing. But the fact that they considered that really early on meant a lot to me. And probably meant a lot to a lot of other female gamers and, and male gamers. Probably there were boys who noticed that and liked it as well. Yeah, and there's going to be uh, probably somebody who might mention Samus from Metroid. But Samus from Metroid is like in a big robot suit. You can't tell that that's a woman yeah. very easily. I mean, there's been, there have been female characters all throughout history. There's like Samus, there's Lara Croft, of course. Um, but, you know, but the fact that we can name pretty much all of them on one or maybe two hands. Exactly, yeah, yeah. Is, yeah. is kind of the thing. But anyway, my point was is like that, but choosing 
who you play as because of course in Pokemon you're just this little sprite it doesn't matter like so when you so in that game in Crystal when you could choose what your sprite was that was great for um, people of all genders yeah I think that's a really positive step and I didn't know that actually that that uh, that was the first one to do it in the Pokemon series my my relationship with Pokemon is very as a lot of parents my age probably uh, have as well uh, Pokemon for me was the thing that I latched onto with my eldest son uh, uh, to get him presents for and to ask him about like because oh, as a parent it's such a as I was a I was in a weekend dad uh, when my when my son was very young and so I'd pick him up on the weekend I'd travel down from London and I'd go get him and we'd spend the weekend down here in, in the southwest and um, it, you know talking to your young child is very much all about them and what they're interested in what they want to do and what they want to eat where they want to go and all that kind of stuff so just knowing a little bit about pokemon having played one of them i we would just be walking up the hill and be like oh what's your favorite pokemon where are you on pokemon at the moment and it just opened up i was able to step into his world so easily that he was then able to talk about the things that concerned him and interested him because he didn't have studies and stuff yet he didn't have uh you know his friendships were at primary school which uh, if you're in america or whatever it's like elementary school so he didn't have that sort of complex life that he now has that we now talk about his life was in these video games and so i would talk to him about like where are you stuck on are you stuck on a gym are you stuck in a dungeon are you you're trying to get through this area are you trying to catch this have you tried this method and it enabled me to just meet him halfway in a world that he loved um, and I think that's another wonderful thing about video games as well is that they it really spans the generations yes my mum knows Pokemon well from having to watch it with me and play it with oh, me yeah. she, has, she does have a favourite Pokemon that she still remembers and her favourite Pokemon is Bellsprout oh of funny. course yeah yeah, yeah. Um, your favourite Pokemon is Lugia is that right oh man my favourite Pokemon it's like asking my favourite animal I know too much about them to fully choose but i do have lugia tattooed on my back so you know yeah. that's quite a, that's quite a uh, thing i mean i also love charizard uh because i love dragons and he's a pretty good dragon um he's a pretty good example of a dragon so uh and i'm quite fond of gyarados as well uh. um, and then of course vaporeon which of course those three are all um i'm not a gen one -er, for anyone listening Oh right, okay. Is that a thing? Is Gen it? Gen One is someone who is just like everything from since Generation One is crap. Right, um, okay. That's not true. Gener other generations have been wonderful, <laughs> but they are a lot of my favourites are in the first generation. But uh, there's others in other generations that I like as well, like Lugia from Generation Two. Uh, I like Stewie Coon in Generation Two as well. Oh okay. Uh, I uh, I do not. I'm not familiar with all of those ones, but I'm sure that uh, various people will be. My favourite is Umbreon. Yeah, that's Generation he's, 2. He's like a little moon cat dog with cool circles. They're like cat dogs, aren't they? Uh, the Eevee evolutions. Eevees, there's a big debate as to what they are. Yeah, some, like... people are insist, some people insist they're cats. Some people insist they're dogs. Some people insist they're foxes. They're little creatures. Oh, yeah. They're like, they have a, definitely have like a vulpine quality to them, don't they? Like foxes. Yeah, pretty foxy. And then Espeon's obviously kind of a bit more catty. But... Mm, definitely. Well, what a lovely note to... Uh, bring the podcast to a close um i'm not surprised you went for pokemon and i'm quite pleased that uh, we got a chance to discuss that one on here on uh, on the first first run um okay well i haven't like worked out a proper ending or anything so i'm just gonna say to anyone uh, well first of all no i'm gonna address you thank you so much for being my first guest 
Um, Thank if, you. It's been really exciting being your first one. I loved it. If people uh, liked what you had to say and would like to seek you out on um, acceptable forms of social media, uh, like a Twitch channel mm -hmm. or whatever, how can they how can they find you? Well, my Twitch channel, um, I haven't posted a lot regularly, but my Twitch channel is Avelfa, which is E-V-E-L-F-A, and you'll find me on there. Um, my Instagram, I talk a lot about. I've got my own coaching business, which I talk a lot about on there. But I do still talk about like gaming and stuff, and that's just my name, which is Samantha Dematos. Um, which I'm sure when you post this video up, you can just link. I'll to. put some links in the description. Yeah, yeah. That's uh, and for me. it'll be my first time uploading a podcast as well, so I'll try and navigate that and see how that all works. Put it in. I'm sure there's a description field in them. Um, okay, well. Uh, to everyone who is either watching or listening um, or has uh, downloaded um, and I guess you wouldn't be here if you weren't watching or listening thank you so much for uh, participating in this first episode with uh, with us with me um, we will find another guest for the next one um, I think we've got a few ideas on who those people are going to be and uh, if you would like to come find me I have a YouTube channel um, it is probably attached to this podcast actually because I'm going to put it on YouTube music but my name on there is Puck which is actually part of my real name my real name's Adam um, and you can find me on there by uh, typing in Puckatron so it's P-U-C-K-A-T-R-0-N because the one with the O was somehow taken um, and then I have various other things as well but if you find the videos you'll find everything else um, I think we're just going to wrap it up there and and reflect on the ending and maybe come up with something a bit more scripted, eh? <laughs> All right, well, great for a first one, I think. Thank you so much. Let's uh, let's uh, bring it to a close and uh, let's go get some lunch, eh? Wicked. All right. Bye. Bye.